It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you. Uh, welcome back to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. I'm Harrison Sanford. I know we took last week off. There was a whole bunch of things going on in uh, Danny's life, my life. So uh, we're happy to be back with you guys. A bunch to discuss uh, on this episode before we get into uh, Christmas, which is next week. We have Joel Embiid putting on a performance that only other two other players in the history of the NBA have done. We'll talk about that in a moment. John Morant's back on the court. The Clippers are balling. The Chicago Bulls are balling. How about that? But one team that is not balling are the Los Angeles Lakers. They are now 1-4, and four, Danny. 1-4 and four since winning the in-season tournament. And to the point, it got, it got so bad last night that Doc Rivers of all people, was trending on social media. Uh, what is the issue with the Los Angeles Lakers ever since winning that IST? And do you believe that there even is an issue, or is it just something that just happens in the 82-game season? Uh, I think the issue is they're not playing on those colorful courts. They might need those colorful ah. courts to get back in rhythm. No, nah, but for real, you know, I'm just joking, but I don't think there is an issue. They have up and downs with injuries, guys in and out of rotations, getting the chemistry back. Uh, for some reason, they're locking in. There's obviously trade rumors. There's always going to be trade rumors when you're playing for the Los Angeles Lakers, especially alongside LeBron James. Uh, so I don't know how D'Angelo Russell's handling that. Uh, but, and also Darvin Ham. Uh, but there's been a lot of ups and downs and, you know, some injuries with, within. You know, AD has been playing pretty well, but he, he also had a couple ankle tweaks that happened. Um, you know, guys took some rest games. You know, Bron took a rest game. I think AD took a rest game in that San Antonio uh, situation where they played them back-to-back -back and they dropped one which they shouldn't have. Uh, but I said, I don't think there is an issue. I think there just might be uh, mental fatigue, which shouldn't be happening this point in the season. When you lock in that much for another tournament and you win and you celebrate that, I think it kind of gets you or allow a team to let their guard down and kind of just be at ease and coast uh, for a, a part of the season that they shouldn't be coasting in. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see what the – the energy is like going forward or what the records are going to be like for teams that played in the IST. Like uh, we, we mm -hmm. they made the Lakers made it known that they were trying to win the IST. They put some value on it. LeBron uh, went ahead and promised some of those guys who were on two-way contracts, rookie year contracts that he was going to get them that win that earned them that cash pot. Um, so uh, yeah, it is good. Interesting to think to, to kind of look at because you don't know where the intensity level is going to be uh, after achieving a goal like that. So I'm not too I'm not too worried about them, but I am uh, a little bit worried about in terms of just the structure of the team. And I get to that in just a moment. But uh, one of the, there's a lot of controversy, Danny, about the Lakers actually putting up a banner for the IST. Like they mm -hmm. so they celebrated it with the you know a, a, it went up in the rafters. It definitely looks different than the mm -hmm. championship banners for sure. So it's not. It's not a championship banner like we would normally associate with Crypto.com slash Staples Center. Uh, your thoughts on them actually putting up the banner? I was more shocked than anything. I don't look at it as anything bad or good. Um, I think it's you know starting a trend because I think most other teams would put up an uh, in-season tournament uh, banner. I think the fact that they left space, so much space that allowed, well, I guess, to show the, the league and the rest of you know the other organizations that we plan on winning this multiple years to come, uh, I thought was interesting. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I wasn't sure they would. I, I didn't think they would. I didn't think they needed to. They have so many banners. 
they've been very good for a long time. They've been spoiled. The fans have been spoiled. But in other accolades that they've won, they usually don't put up. So I was shocked that they did it. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been a big deal. You said you've seen LeBron support it. You've seen AD. You've seen many top stars support it throughout the, the season and, and make it a big deal because it was a lot of fun. It was a, a fun deal. They want to get the fans on board. And you know, Adam Silver did a great job of making the scheduling and, and making it a real thing and, and letting people know and understand when the games are being played by changing the, the colors of the court. Um, so I think it's more so teams, organizations, the league, and, and everybody else buying in to making this a big deal and making our, our our league a big deal, you know what I'm saying, and making this part of the season a big deal so that people don't just watch football and kind of leave basketball to the side until football's done. But we have a reason now to watch basketball because this is a big deal too. You know, obviously, people that like to gamble, but the, the teams that are playing and the coaches and the organizations that are involved. So, um, you know, I think it's a smart idea. It's a smart thing. I think it's, a, you know, to take it seriously, it's a, you know, it's a chess move, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. And obviously, if the Lakers put up the banner, then every other team that follows them should be putting up a banner because they now they've set sure. a standard. If the Lakers feel comfortable enough putting it up, then every other team should. And I don't blame the Lakers because, again, like you mentioned, Adam Silver's trying to emphasize how important this is. So even, even if the Lakers didn't want to, it might have come down from the NBA like, hey, can you put this up? Because then it will signify to the rest of the league that this tournament does mean something. Uh, so I'm not against them for doing it, even though, yes, it does seem a bit odd. And I am happy, though, that it does seem like it'll just be one banner that they'll just add on to. And you can't have a situation where you're putting up new banners every year for every time they win. You can't be making space for all that. That's kind of out. That 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 is out of pocket. That would be outrageous. But yeah, you could put the the years <laughs> up. That's all you need to do. So they they did it yeah. a smart way. Chess yeah, move. just it's like a chess move. yeah, yeah, just like if you were in like uh, just like high school basketball, you don't put up uh, you don't put up a banner for every district tournament you win, but you can yeah. add on to the district tournament every year that you win. It makes sense. Uh, what does what also apparently makes sense as well is this: not just the Lakers who played bad uh, after the in season tournament, also the Indiana Pacers, Danny. Pacers. Uh, since yeah. since then, they've only got two wins: one hundred and thirty one and one twenty three over the Detroit Pistons, one hundred and forty four to one thirteen over the Hornets, but losses to. Milwaukee, Washington, Minnesota, and the Clippers. So they're two and four since the in-season tournament. It's going to be something to watch out for going forward, how teams respond uh, to making it that far uh, in Vegas and then coincidentally what they do in the regular, quote-unquote, regular, regular season games. For sure. But those other losses are acceptable. Those were tough losses. For sure. The, the Washington one, I don't nah, think was yeah, acceptable. Nah, nah. for. Yeah, nah, nah. Milwaukee's a good team. Minnesota's a very good team, and so are the Clippers. They're on a roll. So losing those games, and you were shorthanded with Tyrese Halliburton being out for a couple of those games. So that's understandable, but you can't drop that Washington game. But nope. it's just showing you the mental, the lock-in factor, the mental fatigue, or the letdown, or the, just the, the coasting, cruising uh, phase of it is kind of setting in after playing an in-season tournament championship game. And that's exactly why NBA – that's exactly why – People who bet on the NBA hate the NBA at times because you hmm. see losses like that. And you're just like, yo, when are you going to bring the intensity? The in-season tournament created a little bit of stability uh, for the betting sector of NBA fans. And as you've grown to see, Danny, the betting sector of NBA fans are getting very, very, very important to the overall financial health and interest in the association. All right, let's continue it going here uh, with this opening segment. And I wanted to talk about 
Anthony Edwards. And if you guys uh, haven't seen it, he got into a bit of a controversy earlier this week where he had to issue an apology for some insensitive comments uh, that he made in a private conversation reportedly with a woman that he had been dating and potentially uh, uh, about to have a child with. The comments related to uh the two of them, the couple of them deciding if there should be an abortion or not. We're not going to get into the full conversation. We're not going to get necessarily into abortion rights or anything like that. But I did want to illuminate, Danny, the situation in itself, because as I saw it kind of play out in on social media to the point where Anthony Edwards had to address it publicly, I thought to myself, man, there's a 22-year-old kid going through mm -hmm. some real-life drama, and it's playing out not just in his home, not just among his friends. It's playing out for the world to see. And we've yeah. seen it a number of times in athletics, in sports, in entertainment because of social media and particularly in athletics where a lot of the stars are young. Anthony Edwards, again, is 22 years old. We saw John ja Morant come back and he's mm -hmm. young as well. And a lot of the mistakes that he had to pay for were mistakes he made on social media. As a guy who is a veteran, and didn't have to grow up. You grew up in a social media age, but it's yeah. nothing like what we see now. No, nah, we what grew up your, half and what, half. Yeah. What is your reaction uh, to, to what would you tell a player like a job, like a Anthony Edwards or any player coming up, how to maneuver in this social media era? Yes. It, what Anthony Edwards said was bad and it was insensitive. But I think mm -hmm. a lot of people might have made that same mistake at his age. They're just not. On the summer jam screen, for sure. Like they're Anthony not, Edwards, yeah, they're not, it's not magnified as much, and it's tough to speak. Because I mean, I try to compare it to what I tell my younger brother who grew up kind of in that era. And it's like, yo, you got to get off offline. You got to get off Twitter. You can't tweet every emotion that comes to your mind. The things you put on Twitter live forever, and these people can pull it up and find it whenever you want. So it sucks, man. It sucks. It's a gift and a curse because there's a lot of access. You get a lot of branding. You can get paid off of social media and many other opportunities. Um, you get a chance to meet and see different places and learn about a lot of things for social media. Uh, but the other aspect of it, it is where your your private life is not private anymore and people can screenshot at any point and put anything out there to try to, you know, I guess, blast you, so quote unquote. Um, it's a tough one. So it's like, you got to be very careful how you move. And for a guy who's maybe or may or not be single, you still have to be careful with how you operate with certain people. Um, so is that the advice that I give most guys is, you know, just be careful how you approach or how you talk to people, how you tweet, how you caption certain things, make sure you read it over. They always tell you in the rookie transition programs and even meetings, have somebody read over it a couple times if you're not sure of it, uh, before you put it out there. Um, but yeah, it's tough, man. When you, you said somebody you trust uh, to have private conversations with, will put it out to the public and not everybody's judging you for it. Um. You know, it's the, they have to mature a lot faster. And I feel for these guys. I always tell, even when I was in the locker room with Philly, the young guys, I feel for you guys. It's a different era. It's a different day and age. Even when the dating pool for them. You know, we talked about the restaurants that people, the standards, yep. you know, the the time, the entitlement. You know, you guys have to do a lot more work uh, to, you know, be taken serious or to get the respect. And you have to be way more careful to not make mistakes or to not be put out on blast and not have your personal or your private business out in public um so yeah it's just tougher for these younger kids to be kids they have to be very much be adults and be grown up and be professional by the time of their 19 20 years old
Yeah, it's uh it's unfortunate. And again, there's no excuse for the way that Anthony Edwards held uh that conversation, that text conversation. Uh it a hundred percent came off as insensitive. Uh, but those are real conversations that real people have across the country. Uh it just wasn't handled in in a sensitive manner. And two, um, because of his age, uh, it just seems like he probably he doesn't have. He would have probably. I one one would assume that if he was a bit older, a bit more mature, mm-hmm. he would have handled that better. Be just in this day and age, though, he's just not offered that benefit of a doubt because mm-hmm. it's already on social media, and of course, social media is going to take something and they're going to make it five times bigger than what it is. Just it's just the reality of the world that we live in. So um, it's just un- it's just a hundred percent unfortunate. It, it sucks that he has to learn through this way. His mistakes have to yes. be put on blast, and this is how his mistakes this is how he grows up and matures and learns how to handle these his situations in the future by getting embarrassed publicly. Um, so I can imagine me at twenty two. The things that I was saying leak out that I wasn't supposed to leak out um, through the media. Just me being dumb, being a young kid rambling, um, would get me in trouble when I was in college. Luckily, I, I had a couple years to go through that, and social media wasn't that big back then. That uh, you know, I wouldn't get embarrassed, stay locally or within my locker room. Can imagine getting that type of heat or that type of judgment throughout the whole, you know, basketball world or you know the the country. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So, uh, yeah, I, and I understand too. Like uh, to your point, social media does give a does give a lot. Like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure Anthony Edwards has a deal with Adidas because he has a large Instagram following. I'm sure he can have other deals with other companies because of social media and the following that he has. But it also, again, can be a curse. It could be leveraged against you. So, uh, I am going to offer him a little bit of grace. Uh, but yeah, but he's got to tighten up. Point blank. Period. Uh, well, when we come back with Inside the Green Room, we're going to switch topics a little bit and get into the MVP race. The first straw poll of the season is out, and the guy that I predicted to win it is at the top of it. We'll discuss that next when we come back from the break. And we're back inside the green room. Harrison Sanford, Danny Green. You guys already know the vibes and you already know just how damn good Joel Embiid is. Wednesday night, 51 points and 10 rebounds against the Minnesota Timberwolves. One more time, 51 points Mm -hmm. and 10 rebounds against the number one rated defense in the NBA in the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, yes. And a W. Before we get into the MVP conversation, Danny, I have a little trivia question for you. Joel Embiid is the third player all time, third player all time, to have a 50 and 10 game against a number one ranked defense. I'll give you three strikes. Can you name the other two? 50 and 10. 50 and 10 against a number one defense. I'm going to throw Braun in there. Strike number one. Ooh. 50 and 10. Kobe. That is correct. That's one. That's one. Uh, I feel like these are all all guards. No bigs in this, correct? Probably. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not. I didn't say I was giving away clues. He's a third, so there's only two other people. There's only one there's other only person. Two, there's only one other person who's had 50 and 10 against a number one rated defense in the history of the NBA. 
so I wasn't gonna say I want to say Michael Jordan, but I feel like his defense, their defense has always been number one when he played. Was it Michael Jordan? Is that your answer? You, I, like, I'm not giving you hints, Danny. Russell like, you Westbrook. Gotta, Russell Westbrook is not the answer. So that okay. is two strikes, and you've named Kobe Bryant. Kevin Durant. That is three strikes. You know what the answer was? Who? Michael Jordan. Oh, I talked you out of it. The uh, <laughs> only thing I didn't I, want to put Mike in was because their defense was always the top defense in the league. And I'm like, yeah. you can't. You can't have 50 against yourself. So it's like, <laughs> you know, who else was he playing at? Michael Jordan's a safe. What other team could have had the number one? Other team could have had the number one defense. That was your thought. Exactly. What other team besides Chicago would have number one defense? So it's like, but Mike can't. Have, but Mike's done every record possible. So that's why I, I thought it was a safe go. But yeah, yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. Nonetheless, lost the quiz. Maybe we'll have another trivia in the year of 2024. Oh, I guess we have one more episode before 2024 hits. So maybe we'll come back with another trivia question for the next one. All right. Uh, so again, Joel Embiid, 50 and 10 last night. And I, what I really liked about his approach last night, and Danny, if you've seen it up close and personal, um, up close in person rather yet, there are certain games when Joel Embiid knows the best mode of attack is to get the other big man in foul trouble. And yes. that's exactly what he did last night. He targeted Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert picked up two quick fouls in the first quarter. He targeted Carl Anthony Towns. So that by the end of the game, when he was really doing his damage, it was against Kyle Anderson. It was against Nas Reed, guys who are mm -hmm. not equipped to guard him in the post. So uh, a, a big shout out to him. And, and I always thought that he was going to win MVP not just because uh, James Harden is no longer in town, which means he has to carry a stronger workload, but because Nick Nurse is his head coach. And as I've said before on this pod, uh, Joel Embiid's lowest points per game in his career came against the T Toronto Raptors. That was the team that guarded him the best throughout the entirety of his career, by the stats yeah. at least. And I thought Nick Nurse being with him can help him see the game or see the floor a bit better. Uh, my question to you, Danny, as we start the pick and roll, do you have, would you take Joel Embiid or the field to win MVP? Assuming health, obviously. Assuming health across yeah. the board. I'm assuming health, the way he's been playing and the way he's been balling, I'm taking Joel Embiid. Instead, the way Nick Nurse has been coaching him, um, allowing him to be free and allowing him to also, I don't know if you noticed, but the last couple of games, he's been bringing the ball up and playing some point guard. He's been playing yep. point center. So not only is he attacking the big from the top of the key on one on one, he's able to find guys in the wing to make that kick. So they can't double him from there. If they do double, it's easier for him to find open man. And the post is a lot harder for him to make those plays and passes. When you're on the elbow, when you're in the middle of the floor, it's easy to find or pick apart a double team. So him and Tyrese is a two-game. And the way Tyrese has been playing is opening up the floor for him as well. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely picking Joel. The way he's been playing at a high level against the free throw line. And more impressive to me is just how they focused and locked in and bounced back after a tough loss against Chicago, which they shouldn't have lost. No Zach Levine. DeMar didn't play his best. But Kobe White and Vucevic was really, you know, tough uh, against them in Philly. They had, it came out hot. Uh, so for them to drop that game and come back against the Minnesota, the, one of the top teams in the league, and you know he has a he had more than enough motivation because he has no problems with Cat anymore. But you know that him and Cat had a situation way back in the past. Oh, yeah. And him and Rudy, you know, him playing against those certain big men. Rudy is supposed to be the best defensive player in the league, the best defensive big. It's already in his mind to attack these guys and try to show the world that I can. I can do this against anybody, especially the best defensive guys, and especially against a guy who thinks that he might be better than that I haven't gotten to a fight or two in with uh, in the past. Um, 
after a loss, and more than enough, no need for extra motivation, but more than enough for him to, to come out there and, and prove himself and also win the game, you know, not just get his 50 and 10, but win the game. Uh, so I was more impressed with that of, you know, not just scoring 50, but making the right plays and making sure that he won the game. Because a lot of times guys will do that and they'll take their personal vendetta against a player and get their numbers, but not play the way they're supposed to play with the team and still lose the game. Um so yeah, it was a good bounce back game for for Philly all around, and for him a hell of a win, a hell of a, a a game, and you know just another reason for people to vote for him for the MVP candidate. Yeah, I don't think anybody else is going to come close to him. I think a Shea Gilgis Alexander could, could could come close, especially if OKC stays in that top three in the Western Conference. But I do think if you look at a guy like Nikola Jokic, as great as he is, as great as he is, I think that roster is a lot better than the Philadelphia roster in terms of like. Uh, complimentary players For or sure. players that have established themselves. So I think it's not a knock against Jokic to say your team is better than the Sixers overall, and that's going to hurt you in the MVP race. I think all of the everything is pointing towards Joel Embiid winning it, and I don't think anything can change that will do that outside of uh, a, a An unfortunate injury. injury. Yeah. Unfortunate injury. But you can't sleep on Giannis in Milwaukee the way they've been playing, and also being. <laughs> it depends if a team takes a jump to the top of the league record wise. And if Yoke, if Denver does it, if Milwaukee does it, then you have to put them in the conversation. Jokic's numbers are down from last year. He had a couple of rough games, a couple of bad shooting nights. Oh yeah, um, he did. But you just can't you can't count them out just yet because you just never know how their team might start clicking and get hot and get fire. And if they're number one team in the in the league or west or east with Denver and Milwaukee, they're gonna put Giannis and Jokic in that conversation. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, speaking of MVPs. Job ja Morant looked like one coming back uh, in mm -hmm. his first game in action this earlier this week after serving his 25 game suspension. He had 34 points in his return game, a spin cycle floater over the big uh, to make it a 115 to 113 win over the Pelicans. A buzzer beater is a heck of a way to return to action. Man. And on the other side, Danny, Draymond Green, now he's serving. His suspension. It's an indefinite suspension. And according to Sham Sharania, uh, he has now begun counseling and we could see him out for at least three weeks, if not longer. Kind of crazy to see how the, the tables have kind of turned there and where that situation is in Golden State as it pertains to Draymond Green. I'll ask you a question because these two teams seen as a rivalry and you could very mm -hmm. well see Memphis in the play in. Uh, if they mm -hmm. continue to if they play well, especially with Marcus Smart potentially coming back later this week and Golden mm -hmm. State obviously could be in the play in as well. If you put those two teams together in a play in win or go home. Remember, this happened already. Who do mm -hmm. you think wins? Remember, it happened, I think, what, three years ago, uh, two or three. Yes. Yeah, three years ago, Grizzlies took on the Warriors in a play in scenario. It could very well happen again, considering how poor these teams have played for the majority of the season. Who would win? I'm going with Memphis, man, and I will say I got a lot of be I got a lot of heat for some you know the FanDuel spot that I did. People took what I said the wrong way. You know, Lou Wills counted them out. He said, "Is it time to hit the panic button?" I said, "It's time to hit the reset button," and I think this is the reset they need with 12 coming back, Marcus Smart coming back. You've seen Brandon Clark and his rehab. I don't know if you've seen the clip or not. Him Bill dunk the yep. ball, saying he'll be back by All Star. This might be the reset that they need and the confidence booster they need to get something going, to be having a good rhythm and playing well. Golden State, I don't see them making many changes. They haven't had a bunch of injuries. You know, CP and, and Gary Payton are out right now, but even when they were playing, it wasn't like they were playing great basketball 
to where it's like, you know, they, they found a rhythm of chemistry. I think it's going to take them longer to find a rhythm of chemistry. Um, unless they switch something up or change something drastically, I don't see it happening. Um, I think it's going to be a tough road for them. But they did change the lineup some. They have different starters now. Um, but I don't see them getting like a, an extra, you know, fresh start boost like Memphis will get having these guys coming back. You'll see a Marcus Smart coming back. You'll see a Luke Kennard coming back. You'll see a Brandon Clark at some point. Who knows? You never know. Steven Adams, something may change with his knee. And next, you know, he's coming back. Um, they, they have said they ha they're very good at home. And with 12 leading the charge, he's showing you and proven to you he's one of the better point guards in this league. Um, regardless, and it's very impressive first game back to do that. And he started off slow. Oh, I forgot that how that, bro. That I forgot quarter. how dynamic how, that kid could be, bro. How explosive he is! He came back Oof. so explosive that second half, and not just he played a great floor game. You know, he didn't force it; he let it come to him. He didn't shoot a bunch of shots in the first half. He had a lot of assists, finding you know Jaron for a lob, finding you know Zaire for a little backdoor cuts. He's doing like passing stuff first, and then he started being more aggressive in the second half, and it came to him naturally. So um, that was more impressive to me than anything because we know how talented he is. But just the floor game, the mental of it, and the poise that he had with his first game being back was like, you know what? This is my this might be the reset that Memphis needs, and I think they're going to be in a good direction, you know, after this this th that win. Even though it wasn't against a great team, New Orleans is a good team, but that was a big win for them. Confidence booster with having him back game one for him, game yeah. one for him. Hundred uh, percent. That was a great performance from him. Looking forward to seeing what else the Grizzlies can cook up here for the rest of the regular season. Now that John Morant is now back in the lineup, uh, who, another team that is also off to a great start or has been playing great basketball, the Los Angeles Clippers, Danny. And we were down yeah. on them uh, man, not too man, long man. ago, but ooh, have the Oof. tides have changed. They are nine yeah. and one in the last ten and they're games. They're having Danny. fun too. They're having fun. They're, they're out there having a blast. You see Russ over there, which is why I think most of us doubted it because we didn't think that you could give any one of those guys a lesser role and lesser minutes and then be happy about it. The way Russ, I give all the credit to Russ, Russell Westbrook. To be the starting point guard for that team, having 30-plus points in the playoffs for them, coming back, taking a cut, to be able to take a 15-minute-a-game role right now and being happy and excited on the bench for his teammates just as if he was playing the game, allowing those guys to play freely, is what is giving them life and is allowing those guys like James to be himself and play his game and not have to worry about keeping other guys happy. Kawhi, PG even sat out last game, uh, and Norm stepped up big. But they're, they're rolling, man. They're having a lot of fun. They're playing good, great basketball, um, and they're playing against. They're doing against some good teams. So, you know, I'm impressed that I I can admit when I'm wrong, and I I hope that I continues that way because I do want to see those guys flourish. You know, some of those guys are ex teammates of mine, James, uh, Kawhi, of course, uh, Norm. Um, so I definitely want to see some of those you know, those guys continue to play well and said make the West even tougher and stronger so that they can give you know the Denver Nuggets a run for their money. The who who out the Minnesota Timberwolves? When you see that type of playoff matchup, man, that's just gonna make basketball th that much more exciting. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, for the betters out there, uh, last night Luka Doncic's point total was at thirty six and a half. Thirty six and a half against the Clippers. That's uh, crazy. If you're like me and <laughs> took the under, congratulations. That's just absolutely way too high. That's oh my, crazy. God, 30, He's, he 30. does kill them sometimes, but come on, no Kai too. All attention's on him. That's, exactly. that's a tough number for him to get with with not another. He has some players around him that are good, but with no Kai, another superstar to help him carry the load yeah, or carry the attention away from him. That's nuts. Yeah, they, oh, they could just double him. Yeah, exactly. That's that. That was my thinking uh, when I went into the game, and that's exactly 
why uh, that bet was a profitable one for me last night. All right, so the Clippers, again, 9-1, and one, uh, winners of nine straight. Uh, Kawhi Leonard averaging over 28.5 points uh, in his last 10 games, shooting over 55% from the field, over 55% from the three-point line, Danny. Again, as we talked about, the Clippers are absolutely balling. But so are the Chicago Bulls, who've been without mm-hmm. Zach Levine, but they are 7-3 and three in their last 10. And I watched that game uh, last night as they took down the Lakers. Kobe White is also hooping as well. I I, I didn't have a lot of respect for his game, uh, but he impressed familiar. me. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with this game, okay. but he impressed me, he impressed me last night. Uh, if you put those two teams together, the Clippers and the Bulls, yes, we know the Clippers are the better team. That's not the debate. Mm-hmm. But whose most whose recent run has been more impressive to you? The Clippers nine and one, That's a tough or one. the Chicago Bulls seven and three without Zach Levine? I think the way the Clippers have done it has been more impressive. Uh, the mm. fact that, that we didn't expect we they have the pieces. We didn't expect those pieces to fit or to find chemistry, especially as soon as they've done. I think it's shocking that Chicago is able to do it without Zach and and Demar. Also, some games not playing its best basketball. Uh, yeah, but I, I was familiar with, with Kobe White and how good he was. Um, I think they got him for a pretty good deal when he signed his extension. I'm like, us, oh, he's, he's a good player. And you know, Vucevic has been balling. Uh, for them coming to Philly, beat Philly at home uh, was a big win. Um, for them to beat the Lakers, they, they beat some 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 good teams. They were on a good streak. It's it's impressive, but I don't think it's as impressive as, impressive as the Clippers have been doing it. And we know how skilled and how talented Kawhi is. We know what he's capable of doing, but shooting 55 from three, averaging 28, we just didn't think he could do it with the surrounding pieces of sharing the basketball and the attention, you know, with him. We thought he'd have to take less shots, you know, uh, and, you know, him, PG, and Kawhi have to share, you know, different spots in the game. We didn't think he'd have his keep his rhythm, be able to, you know, find a rhythm with so many, you know, guys that need the ball in their hands on that team. Uh, so for him to find that and be able to still do that with three other superstars, Hall of Famers on your team, is even more impressive. Was that James having a 21 point fourth quarter, you know, mm. doing his little snowman out there, you know, like they're just having fun. Mm. Russell on the sideline doing, doing his, you know, doing his Euro step, Kawhi, you know, it's, it's fun to watch, man. It's fun to see. And it's impressive to see how, and the teams that they play, you know, they're not playing any slumps down there. They're, they're beating some pretty good team. Dallas, they beat Nuggets. They're playing some, some, some contenders and, and they're, they're playing at a high level. Yeah, they're getting the job done, that is for sure. And another thing that we cannot omit as we talk about those Clippers, they uh, Kawhi Leonard has yet, has yet to miss a game. And that has been something that's that the most impressive thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the most impressive has... thing. Him not getting, being on the bench uh, and playing all these games, I think that's the more shocking thing and this makes it most impressive from, from everybody's standpoint. Because it's, like, and it, and yeah. it's good to see. I'm glad that he's playing his basketball and actually playing every game. Um, so hopefully they can sustain that. I want to see them in the playoffs playing this type of basketball. Yeah, I had this conversation with somebody of the day. Again, another note for the betters. Uh, right, uh, last I checked, the Clippers were fourteen to one to get the number one seed in the Western Conference. They're only three games out of the number one slot. Even if they were to suffer an injury to Kawhi or Paul George or to James Harden. Because of the star power, it feels like they can definitely manage uh, that more than maybe any other team in the Western Conference. So something to think about uh, for those people out there who are interested in those type of markets. Uh, when we come back from break, uh, we're going to uh, have some words here as we get into the holidays uh, on one of uh, uh, a member of Danny's North Carolina family. Be right back. 
Welcome back to Inside the Green Room. Harrison Sanford joined by Danny Green. Uh, as we head uh, to the end of this episode, wanted to give Danny uh, the forum here to talk about a member of the North Carolina family that has unfortunately passed away recently. That would be Eric Montrose uh, at the age of 52, suffering from cancer. Uh, he won the 1993 NCAA uh, title uh, as a member of the Tar Heels, was a former top 10 pick in the 1994 draft. And as of this past March, uh, was a radio analyst for Tar Heels games, but unfortunately uh, his passing has come here at a very early age of 52 uh, due to cancer uh, complications. It's unfortunate uh, news any time of year, Danny, uh, but to hear it at this age uh, for Eric Montrose, I'm sure the North Carolina family uh, is in a somber mood because of it. Man, um, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough couple of years with the people that we've lost. You know, they say they come in threes. This one was a tough one for the Carolina family, and I just want to send out my condolences to to his family and everyone else from the Carolina family that are, is hurting from this loss. 52 years old, he was one of the greatest people. Not only was he a great player, obviously he played in the league, he had done some great things at Carolina, but he's one of the greatest people that everybody has ever come across and to put on our uniform and our jersey. And every time I spoke to him, you know, he always would tell me a story about how I made his son feel special during the final four and how much it meant to him. And he always helped me, held me in high regard because of it. And I always held him in high regard just because of how well he treated us players, you know, when we would run his camp and, and th things of that nature. But he's one of the best ones, man. Uh, one of the best humans that you would, would ever meet. And, um, you know, I, I'm really, it's hard to fathom, you know, what they're going through, his family, his kids. I think his daughter had just graduated uh the, the past saturday and he had pa he had passed on sunday um so yeah I, I don't know how to put it into to words to describe how great he was but he's the reason why i came forth to to give my endowment to carolina you know he anything he came to me with was a great idea from big e if he wanted to do it if he thought it was a good idea everybody was on board because he just led the way he led he, he paved the way for all of us to do a lot of things but when it came to supporting carolina and the tar heels and the, that wearing that carolina blue jersey and bleeding carolina blue he was all about that and he said he was the main reason why not only because i wanted to get back to my school and leave a legacy behind but he's the one that talked and coach williams was one of the people he would tell you back in the day he would never ask his players for money he never wanted us to give back any money uh at some point he did talk to coach smith about it uh, because there was some recruiting tactics from other schools saying that, you know, Carolina guys don't care about their program. They don't give back. So he wanted to make a point to change that. And Eric Montrose led the way and in, in, in making sure that, you know, he made us all come together as a group and, and give back to the school that made us and, you know, how we became adults, you know, how we turned into men and, and also helped our careers. Um, so, yeah, Big E, he's going to be dearly missed. We call them Big Grits. He had so many different nicknames. But he was one of the greatest human beings that you'll ever come across. And for him to, to be gone this soon at 52 years old was a tough one for everybody to to take on. So my condolences to the Montrose family, my condolences to the Tar Heel family and everybody that was affected by this loss. And, um, you know, we're going to keep continuing to keep his name alive and praying for those around him. Yep, uh, my condolences. I'll add on to that. My condolences to the North Carolina family. Uh, obviously, uh, 
Eric will be remembered for his accomplishments on the court. Uh, his jersey, number double zero, still hangs, will hang in the rafters, and it has been hanging in the rafters at the Dean Smith Center. Uh, and as Danny just alluded to there, he will definitely be remembered by those who are close to him or who have interacted with him. So uh, once again, my condolences, and uh, hopefully we won't have uh, – hopefully we, we can start to find more answers uh, then problems when it comes to cancer research and things of that nature, because it hurts to hear anybody uh, losing their life, uh, but also losing their life at this age to something that has been plaguing this country for a very long time, unfortunately, uh, in the form of cancer. So uh, I think that's about all I could say there, Danny. Anything else? Uh, oh, yes. I would like to wish uh, everybody uh, happy holidays and a happy new year. Hopefully we'll see them before the new year. Yeah, we'll probably see you guys before the new year. But if, uh, but and if so, even still, I uh, hope you guys enjoy all of the holidays, safe travels to wherever you may be going. Hopefully, yeah. Santa uh, treats you guys well, you and your families well. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Anything else, Danny? Read, rate, subscribe, review. You know how it is, man. Happy holidays. See you guys soon.